Are you a caregiver? Or do you have a loved one who is aging and you or they might have questions that need to be answered? We have some answers that might help. This is Aging Life Network with Nancy Oriola. Today, you'll hear from experts and others related to the field of aging who will bring you answers, best practices, and tips for helping your loved one navigate this new part of life. Now, here is your host, Nancy Oriola. Hi, this is Nancy. I'm here today with my guest, Karen McPhail, who is the founder and director of Aging Rainbows and the executive director of Eldementals LLC, a professional care management company. We are talking today about some of the unique challenges faced by LGBT seniors. We'll be talking about those challenges. We'll also be discussing um, some of the supports that are um, developing nationally and locally, uh, organizations that are being developed to address these challenges, um, how you as individuals out in the community can help um, to be more inclusive, your organizations, but also, and create safe spaces, but also to... um, how you can help out individually. So I am very happy to have Karen with me. Um, let me say a little bit about her. She's a very busy person. Um, she, in addition to many, many boards and organizations she belong to, belongs to, um, she is a nurse by training. She has both a bachelor's and master's degree in nursing, and she is um, specially trained as a family nurse practitioner. She has published work in the Journal of Nursing Administration in Grit Women Empowered, where she was recognized as a healthcare hero, uh, Great Falls Living Magazine. She it lives in, works in the D.C. metro area, I believe, Karen. And um, she pra- her practice includes not only uh, geriatric care management, as it was traditionally called, and healthcare advocacy, working with medically complex individuals, but also consulting to a variety of corporations. She's a frequent public speaker. She's an educator in um, both areas of care management, healthcare, and um, LGBT senior challenges. She is the co-founder and director, as I said, of Aging uh, Rainbows. Uh, a unique uh, not-for-profit that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. She's a um, pretty um, strong, um, consistent blogger, both um, probably for Eldementals as well as um, Aging Rainbows. She's been featured in many podcasts, local radio, television, news publications, Um, She is also um, a volunteer with the Medical Reserve Corps during the pandemic. I am very, very happy and pleased to have you with us today and appreciate you taking time out of a very, very busy schedule to be here. Well, thank you, Nancy. I'm thrilled to be here today. And I'm glad that we can talk a little bit about LGBT older adults. You know, it's it's a topic that is so often not discussed and I think it's pretty important. Last week, I um, talked with a woman about solo aging. And, you know, one of the unique challenges is that the LGBT population is very much um, aging single and without children and dependent on um, 
friends who are aging at the same rate. So let's start. Um, let's start with just um, having you describe to us what is different or more challenging. What are some of those unique challenges that LGBT older adults face? Well, you know, LGBT older adults truly face unique challenges that others simply do not encounter or, or have to worry about, you know, um, to start, they're twice as likely to be single and to live alone. They're Mm -hmm. four times less likely to have children involved in their care for support. And they're more likely than others not to access preventative care and services. And, and this is sadly, you know, due to a long history and decades of discrimination and ill treatment of the LGBT community. Um, If we look back, it's only 1973 when the American Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality as a mental health disorder. And more recently, it's only May 25th of 2019 that the World Health Organization no longer classified transgender as a mental health disorder. So we have individuals that have lived the vast majority of their life, decades in isolation, fear, persecution, being discriminated against, having social stigmas that really have transferred over to today and have created a great deal of difficulties for this community and challenges in terms of them aging. You know, some fear and social stigma has not only disrupted their lives, but their connections again to their families of origin, their career progression, their finances, their opportunities to save for retirement. And also you have individuals because of all the stigma, all of the persecution of the past, all of the discrimination, um, all of the mental health components, thinking for decades that perhaps they were mentally ill or being treated as such, they are fearful and mistrusting of government agencies, healthcare providers, aging service providers, and other associated, you know, parties. So for providers, you know, we really need to understand these obstacles and the history and the effects of a lifetime of all of this rejection and ill treatment as, you know, it really places LGBT older adults in a higher risk category. You know, you don't only have the other issues, but you also have them being higher risk for physical and mental health challenges, you know, such as social isolation, which is a big problem, even more so during COVID, depression, anxiety, ineffective coping skills, poverty, chronic illness, and, and a big issue with chronic illness and management because they're not accessing preventative care and perhaps the necessary care to keep themselves moving forward positively. So really, you know, sadly, the takeaway from all of this is that this history of legally and medically sanctioned discrimination and prejudice that has continued for decades still impacts today and really is what has led to many LGBT older adults having deep mistrust for government and health and social services and having negative health implications as a result. 
because they're simply afraid to access programs for support, entitlement programs, meal programs. And if they are having to access care, because there is no other option, they're oftentimes living in fear, they're in hiding, and they're not having the opportunity to live authentically. And this is just not okay. Uh, you know, it's just not everyone should have the opportunity to live authentically, to feel safe and to have safe spaces to live their lives. So, um, again, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think it's really it's hard enough to age, but to age and be LGBT is a whole different experience. And, you know, I think that uh, because younger people have sort of busted this topic wide open and it's become more acceptable, quote unquote, um, in the mainstream with, you know, marriages and et cetera. I think it's hard for a lot of people who are not in that age cohort, you know, over age 70, let's say, let's just give it a number. Um, those who lived through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and all of the discrimination you're talking about, not, not only that, and the violence um, Stonewall. against them. Um, uh, I think it's hard for people to understand that their lived experience has, um, you know, equated to this. Um, folks literally who let's take academia for for instance we all know that um well we don't all know but i know of several professionals who whose careers were stunted because it became known even if it wasn't um even if the individual themselves hadn't told others it became known uh within administrations that they were gay period. Mm -hmm. And so their careers were cut short. Um, there are, um, you know, some folks who can't hide the fact that they are LGBT, um, that they're lesbian, that they're gay men, because of just simply who they are and how they look. Mm -hmm. And so the discrimination pervaded their work life, pervaded their healthcare life. I think I read more than 20% of LGBT seniors have never told their healthcare provider that they were gay. Mm -hmm. um, that can really change how their healthcare is managed, I would think, on some levels. Um, yeah, it's, it, I think it's hard for people under the age of 70, certainly under the age of 60, who have seen this opening in um, the consciousness and acceptance to understand. Um, they say, many older LGBT adults say that the place where they feel most harassed and discriminated against is in facilities by their peers. Mm -hmm. Correct. And, and I think the big issue is that we really need to, and, and we can talk about this a little bit more, but we really need to change the focus, you know, of, of how we're doing things in care communities. You know, when I look at 
even across the country and look at residents' rights and residents' bill of rights. And, you know, yeah. I look at some and they're gendered and they're not inclusive in terms of aspect, many aspects. You know, um, when I first started Aging Rainbows, and, and we can talk about this more later, but it really came out of a labor of love and, and a call to action because in my travels, I did not see inclusive care. I saw marginalizing of individuals. I saw sort of a don't ask, don't tell policy and a, well, we treat everyone the same and, and, and that's wonderful. No, no, it's not wonderful. It doesn't acknowledge the lifetime of experience and the lifetime of, of trauma and, and things that individuals have experienced, that rich history is just brushed under the rug and, and people move on. And, and that's not what creating a safe space is about. You know, um, we don't see all celebrations being celebrated. We, you know, we see traditional care calendars and, and, and it's as if most care communities honestly have gone to sleep and woken up 10 years later and things are not much different on the calendar. You know, um, the decor is nicer, the rooms may be bigger, and, you know, um, we see all the bells and whistles that traditional families go, wow, this looks great for mom, but we need to do more. We're not embracing inclusive aspects. Or diversity. You know, across, mm-hmm. Yeah, and diversity. You know, and, and it's interesting when I speak to individuals in aging life care at, at some care communities, you know, I'll ask them, you know, what, what are you doing for, you know, to embrace diversity and, 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 and to foster inclusive aspects. And, you know, and, and I ask about LGBT staff and, and about residents and, and oftentimes they hear, well, I don't think we have any. And, and I have to think to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Of course you do. Yes, you are definitely interfacing with people that are part of the LGBT community every day. And honestly, if you don't realize that, then you're missing a big piece of what being inclusive and, and providing a diverse, safe environment looks like. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot that has to change on the national level. I think people need to realize and before really, you know, a, a, a too much longer passes, you know, that now is the time to embrace these aspects. And, and like you were saying, the, the younger community, you know, we need to bridge the gap between the older and the newer, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that there is an understanding. And I think we can really move things forward in a more positive way by doing that. So we do try in our travels with Aging Rainbows to, to have a more intergenerational program so that we are bridging that gap and, and pulling on the strengths from both areas to move things forward in a positive way. Because I think that's what's really going to propel, you know, positive change and, 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 and mindsets, you know, in senior centers to make them more inviting, in care communities to make sure people feel safe and being able to live authentically and, 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 and to understand in an in a effective way when something does come up how to really communicate in a positive way to move things forward if hate speech does come out. You know, like you were saying, individuals don't always feel supported by other residents in the community. And there's a way to make sure that those conversations happen in a positive way um, so that everyone feels comfortable. Everyone understands that it's a welcoming environment for all people. Um, so there, there really needs to be a lot of education, a lot of work, a lot of mindset changes across the continuum of care to ensure that all people really do feel supported. 
So there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Yes. And and there is some work beginning with, um, as I mentioned, local and national organizations. But um, uh, it, it seems to me that it also, um, sh- I would like to see more of it happening on a governmental level, area agencies on aging. And I know, I know there's possible funds that they can provide, but, you know, those agencies can be doing more for individuals as well. Yes. Yes. And so, um, yeah, I not long ago read uh, another report by the Alzheimer's Association, um, another organization that is interested in the LGBT community, as well as AARP, I know, um, has a very strong interest in um, this community. And um, Alzheimer's is concerned by the number of people that live alone without support and um, and will be developing dementias over the next decade. And um, that's going to be a real problem. And so talk about um, those natural social supports. Um, Who are they? Um, What's missing? Um, What kind of problems does it create? Well, in terms of, you know, support for LGBT older adults, you know, I think there's you know, you were talking about dementia care and, you know, dementia is a national, you know, it's a national epidemic. You know. Every 66 seconds, someone is developing dementia of some sort. And there's a lot of pieces, you know, it could be a whole nother program to discuss cognitive impairment and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the and short, alone. shortcomings mm-hmm. and living alone. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think, you know, we need to also branch out and develop more individualized programs. I know one thing that I think is a wonderful support is is oftentimes, you know, Dementia Friendly America and, and Memory Cafes. You know, I, I participate a lot with Dementia Friendly America. Um, I've helped with a lot of their restaurant initiatives and other things to make it easier for caregivers and easier for individuals to, to remain in the, you know, in their community because we know the cost of care is high. You know, most people, you know, nowadays especially, can't afford the high cost of memory care. It's, yeah. it's a real challenge. We are, we're coming to a real crisis, I think, you know, in terms of that aspect for older adults. But one thing that I think we need to develop more is, is the memory cafes. You know, I, I think, you know, they're a wonderful mechanism for people to have support along the way. And when you have an individual that, or you have a caregiver at home that feels very isolated, you know, having some specialized memory cafes that really do um, uh, cater to the LGBT community is going to be very important. And and that's something I know I'm working on locally and and, Mm -hmm. and nationally with some individuals so that we can start more of these, these support programs, because as we know, dementia is, is an unpredictable road, a stressful road, a bumpy road. um, And it's better traveled with a, with support. Um, so that's something that we need to work on. Um, we, um, that's a great idea. I love that idea. We, we need to take our first break. I'm very sorry. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the natural, natural, the lack of natural support systems that, um, our older adults face in the LGBT community and, and why that is. So we'll be right back. Thanks.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with Karen McPhail, who is um, a professional care manager in uh, the D.C. metro area and Virginia area, it sounds like. Is it Virginia, D.C.? Virginia, D.C. and Maryland. Maryland, yeah, it's all smushed smushed together. Mm -hmm. And occasionally across the country with telehealth. Oh, yes. Okay. So you're actively doing that as well. Um, And she, um, so we were talking about um, supports for um, LGBT seniors. And I love the idea of the memory cafe for those diagnosed with some form of dementia. Um, I know there are support groups here in the area, but there are not. Currently, I'm not aware of groups who uh, are doing the Memory Cafe, and so that's a great idea. Um, I wanted to get back to the natural support systems and just highlight why it's so critical that whether individuals are aging alone or with a partner, why the lack of natural support systems exists and why it's so critical that we develop um, outside support programming for them. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, this population of older adults that we're, we're dealing with right now, you know, they really are oftentimes, you know, estranged from their families of origin due to, you know, past discrimination or misunderstanding of, uh, of, of LGBT challenges and, and LGBT just living authentically. You know, their families just oftentimes did not understand 
Um, and and as a result, they are they are estranged from them and have that lack of support that a lot of us would have. You know, oftentimes they did not have the opportunity to have children or or to adopt, so they don't have that second layer of support. And and a lot of times they do have strong fa- friends, you know, chosen families, um, family members, and, and friends. But those friends are aging. Those chosen family members are perhaps also aging, and they're losing you know, their only support system, which can be very difficult. You know, sometimes individuals, you know, are left just really aging alone or going through a, a, a complex situation alone. You know, oftentimes because of just a fear of, of healthcare providers and others, they wait until the very last moment to access care when only essential, which can be difficult. I, I know, um, you know, I, I've had clients, patients who, you know, have, have had oncology issues and, and really have only accessed our help at the end. And, you know, we've scrambled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. scrambled to provide hospice support so they feel safe. Um, mm-hmm. We've scrambled to quickly find individuals to foster a friendship with them, to provide some support, you know, um, to be able to put together a care calendar that, that helps them to be able to remain at home or remain in the environment that they feel most comfortable being surrounded by their people, people that they feel comfortable with, um, you know, to be able to, to have their needs supported. So, so it's, it is very challenging. You know, we, we do a lot through Aging Rainbows to try to foster positive, you know, relationships for individuals to pull people together. Um, and again, doing intergenerational work so that, you know, it's really something where the younger adult or younger individual really is learning. And, yes. and the older adult is learning also, and they're both growing along the way. Um, yes. So that the older yes. adult really has maybe an individual who's a friend again mm-hmm. when they've lost others that are contemporaries, but someone that they can share some of those stories with. Really and hears they can them. reminisce mm-hmm. with. And mm-hmm. they hear them and they understand. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, you know, just fosters such a positive, wonderful experience. You know, for both. And they have then that support that they can rely upon a little bit, you know, for a longer period of time. So, you know, yeah, go go ahead. Well, I, you know, I have a story that's come to mind. It's, uh, gosh, many years ago for me, probably 25 years ago or more, 30 years ago, I had a friend nine years older and um, a lesbian and when she was in her mid 40s when she died of lung cancer and and i was sort of the lead person handling and that was long before i was a a care manager myself um i was in my 30s and i was a financial advisor an unhappy financial advisor but anyway um she um when she came out um she was married with two children lived on a farm in iowa and when she fell in love with a neighbor and told everyone about it, she was put in a psychiatric hospital for two years, mm-hmm. lost her children, never had her children back, never got her children back. And, um, you know, and that was probably in the 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't thought about it, the math. But anyway, um, 
she today would would only be, you know, in her mid-70s, early mid-70s. But those are the very dramatic experiences of a lot of our seniors in their youth, um, of losing children, of being locked up, of being called crazy, of being kicked out and um, completely disowned by entire family members. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think it's important that people really understand that reality. Mm-hmm. For, and there's so many challenges them. also being a female at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, right. it, it, there was so much pressure to live a what was stereotyped as traditional family yes. situation. Options were oftentimes limited for that, for, for, for women. Um, and being an individual, you know, uh, of color, you were going through segregation and going through the, all of the challenges of, uh, that the Stonewall generation has had to work past. Um, so it, it definitely, you know, is, is very, very difficult for these individuals. And, and, and honestly, you know, we, we do have, you know, good, good support programs, you know, in a lot of areas, but not all, you know, and, and we still need more access to socialization support. That is, from my perspective, probably the biggest, the biggest issue is the lack of socialization support. Um, for individuals, um, you know, I know mm-hmm. Sage right now. You know, Sage is our oldest national advocacy and service organization for LGBT elders, and and they do an amazing job. They're an amazing resource. Sage has been active since nineteen, I think, seventy eight, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to make sure that you know, uh, welcoming communities and 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 LGBT issues stay on the national front, but. You know, they've been doing Sage Connect calls, and that's something, you know, we've tried to participate in as much as we can to make sure that we're interacting with LGBT elders, you know, offering support, a friendly call. How are you doing? You know, well, you know, just is there is there anything we can do? And I know we've had some calls where people have had, gosh, my, my Meals on Wheels didn't show up. What's going on? Yikes. Okay, well, let's get this back to Sage and let's get someone working on it, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we need to have more outside of pandemic. Pandemics. It shouldn't take a pandemic for us to say, "Yikes! Wow, people aren't getting enough socialization." Mm-hmm. Right? You know, that right. We, 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 it should be a daily, daily, you know, piece. Um, you know, it's it's nice that we have resources online. Yes, and and I will say, you know, I work a lot with Sage. I'm a National Center for LGBT Aging Education Ambassador which is a mouthful, but, but it is a wonderful, important piece because we do education with care communities and service providers, and we, we try and foster inclusive situations and help people to understand what does that look like. Um, but, you know, we need to be doing more. There needs to be more at, at the state level, more at the local level, making sure that, you know, people are working on, you know, through senior centers, area agency on aging and others to make sure that we're putting things into, into plans to, to really effectively create safe spaces and support, you know, long-term. So, you know, there, there's great things happening, but there is, you know, work that needs to still be done um, to, to support this aging population because it's growing and it's going to continue to grow. You know, uh, I have a daughter in, in her 20s and, and she says, we are the gay generation. And, 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 
you know, honestly, you know, we see more individuals looking at gender aspects, looking at their sexuality. And, and, you know, I think individuals don't realize that across the continuum, you know, just like everything else in our life, nothing's stagnant. We're always growing. We're always changing. And our gender aspects, our sexuality continues as such. You see individuals in their 50s and 60s, um, honestly, uh, coming out as LGBT. You mm-hmm. see individuals in their 50s and 60s um, coming out and, and, and finally living authentically as a transgender individual. We, you know, we see a lot across the continuum, and I think we need to ensure that we're providing for individuals across all aspects. So, um, I agree. I totally agree. So, um, so there's a lot of work being done to create inclusive and safe spaces, primarily through education. Um, I would think there are things that our service providers could do uh, that would make people feel more safe and included. Uh, And by service providers, I mean uh, places where people live, uh, home care, hospice, um, health care. You know, I've heard, I mean, some suggestions have been just simply changing forms, intake forms Mm -hmm. that people fill out. what other things yeah. might, what other things oh. might they do? Well, you know, I think the big piece is getting involved, getting educated, and again, actively embracing positive change. You know, um, when surveyed, nine out of 10 LGBT individuals feared discrimination in care settings. If mm-hmm. providers knew their sexual orientation or gender identity, and, and, you know, again, this is not really acceptable. So, you know, through my work with, you know, Sage, through Aging Rainbows, as a professional care manager, we try and do a lot of education with service providers, care communities, and, and others, elder care attorneys, financial managers, anyone who's intersecting with the LGBT older adult community. And we try and make sure that they understand what does inclusive care or service look like? What components are important to consider? And and there's a lot of components, I'll be honest. And, and they include key terms, you know, history, history, history is huge. You know, we do a lot of work on case studies and scenarios and, and showing people basic timelines of, you know, what do these people live? And oftentimes, you know, when you start with history and you build upon it, you see that aha moment. People all of a sudden go, oh, my gosh, I just didn't realize. I never thought about it. I can't even imagine what this was like for this individual living through all these things in their lifetime, all these challenges and impediments. So we teach that, you know, as, as sort of the starting point or the groundwork for it. And then we talk about best practices. We try and dispel common assumptions. And then, of course, going down to the basics, communication techniques. What does an initial intake look like for whatever organization you're with? What should your basic forms look like? What should you have on them to support inclusive aspects? What policy and procedural changes are important? What about our general environment, down to even our website or recreation programs, to core calendars? Um, what things are important so that we as an organization set a culture from the top down of embracing diversity, embracing inclusive aspects? You know, um, and 
we do a lot to really dispel misconceptions about care situations and what they should look like because sadly so often we see people inadvertently marginalized which is a big big problem you know i hear a lot of we treat everyone the same we do a great job and 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 bless their hearts they 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 may think they are but once they get educated on on what the important components look like they realize yikes we could improve and that's okay you know that's why we're there so you know treating everyone the same really conveys a negative message of grouping and oftentimes people don't realize that and marginalizing and and people do again realize this after proper education you know um people need to value the rich culture the history the challenges all that these individuals have embraced in their lifetimes and and lgbt older adults sometimes it's just a matter of asking the right question you know if you're sitting in an intake instead of just realizing oh sarah visits every day and saying nothing saying how is sarah important to you mm-hmm. or how would you like the staff to address you or would you like to talk more about that and if you don't right now it's okay I'm here if you want to talk later. Just having that open dialogue, that open communication and acknowledging in a simple way and leaving it open to the individual to interpret, decide how they want to move forward, just really does a lot to support a safe space. You know, I think sometimes people don't realize how simple it is to create an open, safe environment to help people to feel comfortable living authentically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and again, I think a lot of it, you know, if you're a clinician, it, it, I think if you can read and, and if there's a program on trauma-informed care, I really encourage you to attend it because not just for any older adult, but especially for LGBT older adults, I think trauma-informed care is, is the critical aspect of providing positive long-term outcomes for this population. You know, um, it, it's, it's drawn from really concepts of psychiatry. And, you know, if you don't know about trauma-informed care, the basics are it sort of asserts that past experiences of trauma have all sorts of impacts on current health. And we know that, and it seems really simple. But really thinking about it more can provide so much insight and set the groundwork for open communications and helping people to unpack and work past some of that trauma that have a more positive future. So that's something I think that is really important also in terms of, of helping people to be inclusive and supporting, you know, um, inclusive care, you know, and services for individuals. So. Nice. Well done. Thank you. Very good. Um, uh, I have to take another break. I'm sorry. Uh, it'll be 90 seconds. We'll be right back with Karen. Um, we'll be right back. Thanks. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help 
making a difficult decision for an aging loved one. Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Nancy. So Karen and I were just talking over the 90-second break uh, briefly about our daughters and how zealous they are about this topic and inclusion and diversity in general and how well-spoken and um, how much passion they have to see change in the world. And so um, I said, well, we probably should have had them on the show because um, it really is amazing how the younger folks, uh, millennials and Gen Zs are, are approaching the world these days. I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by that. But here we are, and, um, you know, we've got um, folks right now with challenges. And so I would ask you, Karen, uh, what needs to happen? What, you know, what are your hopes for the future? I mean, if you could just sort of vision... Um, all the change that needs to occur, how, how would you imagine it? Oh, my goodness. We don't have unlimited time, so I'll try and be brief. Yes. <laughs> I have, in oh in five goodness. minutes or less. Yeah. In five minutes, my host <laughs> for the future. I have so many. And, you know, honestly, change, education, there's so many pieces. But I, I think, you know, for me, starting in order of priority would be, you know, despite, I think, significant steps forward. And, and we have, we have taken significant steps forward, you know, but LGBTQIA plus Americans lack many basic legal protections in states across the country. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, from my perspective, the true nature of this kind of patchwork or true patchwork nature of current laws leaves millions of people subject to uncertainty and fear and potential discrimination that impacts their way of life, their health, their happiness. Um, you know, I, I think that's where we really need to impact change in a big way. And that's going to filter on to many other situations. You know, LGBT older adults need to feel safe. We need to have more choices for them to be able to live authentically, especially older adults. You know, there needs to be, I know SAGE is working through the long-term care quality index to look at how 
we're providing care in long-term care settings, but we need to do more. There needs to be more mandates through, you know, residents' rights and residents' bill of rights to make them non-gender, to make them inclusive, so that it isn't something where, you know, gosh, we have a few care providers. It should be a mandate that these rights are respected. We are supposed to have residents' rights for all residents, not just some. So there needs to be changes across the board to, improve, to really support inclusive aspects and to, to ensure that we have standard criteria for what that looks like. Um, you know, um, we need to have more community programs accessible that are safe, comfortable for individuals. Broad-based marginalizing needs to come to an end. You know, it's just, it's just not the way we should be doing things. Um, so all those, national or, all those national organizations that represent the service providers, they need to get on board. Exactly. And they, I know AARP mm-hmm. is doing a great job. They I mean, they have wonderful programs. Yes. They're doing a terrific job. Um, but I think we but, need to... But the nursing, the nursing home association, the national hospice association, the national home care, home health. But but there's a struggle, Nancy. You know, when I try, I am very involved at the state level. You know, in my area, mm-hmm. and and it's funny. You know, they asked me to be a part of an LGBT, uh, you know, task force. You know, and I talked about, well, we need to work on the state. You know, the state of Virginia residents' rights, changing their bill of rights. Well, that should be. You know, you should be really going under area agency of aging, and you know, things are so segmented and compartmentalized that this group doesn't fit anywhere. Like right. you take it there, and it's like, well, we're dealing with this right now, but. But it's not the LGBT task force, but it's not this, but it's not that. And, and that needs to change. There, there needs to be, I think, in every state, there does need to be an LGBT, you know, task force. Uh, you know, I think that should be happening. And I think it should be dealing with, even if it falls outside of, you know, maybe if it is aging specific, it's LGBTQIA. And, and it needs to be handled as such in collaboration with the other aging networks. Um, rather than having it bounce from place to place, like oftentimes I'm seeing these things happen, um, you know, and, and trying to get really, you know, patient bill of rights and other things kind of updated to be inclusive and, and, and not gendered, um, you know. So, I mean, again, across all states, not just some, we need to have in place an inclusive LGBT long-term care bill of rights prohibiting facilities and staff from discriminating against certain individuals. Correct. You know, um, mm-hmm. there needs to be specific notice um, next to the facility's non-discrimination policy in specific locations. It needs to be standardized. We need to require facilities to be able to, you know, provide the contents of the notice. Um, we need to keep people informed on all this. We need to be able to ensure that all of these non-discrimination aspects are standardized across all states. That's, that's what I hope for the future, because I'll be honest, we need to stop underserving this vibrant group of people. They are vital. They're vital to, to our history. They're vital to our country. They, they are vital to so many aspects of, of our world, and, and their voices just aren't heard. They can give and add so much. And I think by not serving this population, not addressing all the key aspects we're really creating you know some significant challenges that shouldn't be there with mm-hmm. some simple interventions you know mm-hmm. so 
Thank yeah, so how do I see it? Yes. Thank you for sharing. And, education. Okay. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, you got a little little fired up there when I mentioned, oh, then all the groups just need to change. Yeah, I'm sure it can be. <laughs> I'm sure it's um, a personal challenge of yours to um, just keep it together in some of those meetings. Um, so, so tell me about, let's talk a little bit before we end the show today about aging rainbows. It, um, it sounds like it's your baby and, um, um, I'd love to hear um, how it started, what you're doing, um, you know, what the mission is, all of that. Tell us. Okay. Well, you know, truly, Rainbows is a labor of love for me that grew out of personal experiences. To be honest, one afternoon, I came home um, after working with an individual, a transgender client, and I was very frustrated. Uh, I had to make a long story bearable. Uh, this individual had been functioning well at home and had a minor injury and then just due to issues as they can ha- happen, ended up short term in rehab um, for, for obviously PTOT and, and some other little pieces. And when this individual was transitioning from the hospital to rehab, they wanted to put this woman in a gender inappropriate room. Hmm. And I was, very much overwhelmed by the lack of knowledge, the lack of compassion, the lack of understanding, um, not just of care and of rights and other aspects and of HIPAA law, um, but with, with the individuals there at the, at the rehab facility. And it took me quite a lot of time, about two hours, and, and of not just educating, but advocating and being a little bit um, assertive. Um, and protective of my clients to get things moving forward in the right direction. And, you know, the long story short is that at the end of this situation, it did end up in a very positive way. You know, I try and take challenges and I try and change them into a positive. And that's what we've done with this experience, not just for the client, but also for Aging Rainbows. So it really grew out of this. I came home. I sent an email to my daughter who is the co-director and who's an amazing graphic artist too. And I said, crave this logo. And I described what I want. And she said, when I said, now would be nice. Um, and I sat down in my office and over 30 minutes, I created the entire aging rainbow site aside from the vendors and some of the additional resources, but all of the mission, the vision and the articles of incorporation were done in 30 minutes because I had so much frustration just kind of sitting there. And I knew what I wanted to do. I -hmm. wanted to create options, community outreach, education, supportive programs, foster inclusive care communities, help providers to learn free of charge, expand on all these intergenerational programs and socialization opportunities, not just in the DC metro area, but across the country. So, you know, that's what we've been able to do. And we've had a lot of great support. We're really a group of like-minded individuals trying to impart positive changes. And, and I feel like we're doing that in a simple way. Our website's fun, but easy. You know, um, oftentimes, you know, you click on a website, you get looped to something else. And then you click on something, you get looped. And, and no one wants that, especially an older adult. You want to be able to go resources, click, yay. There's a doctor I can go to that I can be myself with and talk about things. Where there's a care community, wow, I didn't realize they supported, you know, wow, look at their website, this is great. I would feel comfortable there after surgery. So that's what we were trying to create, situations where people can find resources, um, 
a platform for individuals to feel comfortable saying, listen, this is what we want. We want more stage table events or we want more, you know, coffee talks or, or whatever. So that there is just a mechanism for individuals to have a voice, have support and have good options. So that's kind of what Aging Rainbows is about. Um, just giving that support for individuals um, in a variety of ways. And the website is... Um agingrainbows.org mm, simple agingrainbows.org great and people can find you through that or through your private care management company Eldementals I love the name Eldementals LLC yes so. it's eldementals.com yeah. it's like elder without the R mm-hmm. um, that's mm-hmm. the best way to say it mm-hmm. sort of elements or fundamentals of of living was sort of kind of how we came up with and brainstorming mm-hmm. the word elementals. Mm-hmm. That's great. And um, yes, I loved all the blogging you were doing, you're doing on aging rainbows. I think um, people can get a lot of good information regardless of where they live. And um, yeah, I would encourage people to seek out um, the, um, you know, what's happening locally. Uh, there are SAGE affiliates. I can't remember. There were 39 last I heard around the country, 39 different states. But uh, there may be other local nonprofits that are happening. It may be for younger people, but they may have an older program, an older adult program. And so folks need to just, you know, get online and see what they can find for support. Yeah. Uh, Well, I appreciate you joining us today. This has been uh, one of my more informative podcasts, I have to say. Um, It's been great. You are an amazing educator. Um, The Aging Resource Center is lucky to have you as an ambassador. Um, I... um, this show, uh, one, you know, after we finish this show, we're available on uh, all the major podcast platforms. People can find us or you can find us at aginglifenetwork.com. Um, click on the podcast button. It'll be loaded later today um, or early tomorrow. So I want to thank you, Karen, uh, for joining us um, for this very important topic. You have a great day. Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to talk again.